0: Oh and just give me a five a five minute um uh, uh, time time uh, warning thank you <clears throat> um so uh, my name is tony s and i'm um a grateful recovered and compulsive overeater um recovered one day at a time um each day that I'm willing to get up and begin to work my program um so grateful for the opportunity to share um and uh practice <clears throat> um you know, sharing and carrying a message to others who are still suffering um, and those who want to continue to be in recovery each day. Um, I guess it's easy to start in the beginning. Um, I, uh, I thought about it today as I was preparing to, you know, mentally, I've spoken many, many times. And I try to pray on, you know, if if there's something particular that I want to share about each time, maybe different than the others. Um, And so I'm just going to let higher power take over and guide whatever it is that, you know, higher power wants me to say. Uh, I uh, noticed that I guess I had a problem with food when I was pretty pretty young, Um, probably about six. um, I would eat with my my mom and dad, would cook a nice healthy dinner because my mom had been uh, had a lot of weight issues, and so it was very important to her to uh, to um, for me not to have the same problems she had with weight. She she was overweight, and she lost the weight, and she kept it off pretty much the rest of her life. Um, she lost it like in her I guess uh, late late twenties, early thirties, and I was born in her middle. My mom was about middle forties, um, so I was the youngest of of about four children. Um, I had older siblings and uh, so i would i would eat with my parents and then my older siblings would come home late and then i would eat with them too and i guess it was sort of a way of being you know kind of fit in with these older siblings i had nothing else in common with them they were 10 years 13 years 15 years older but they were like oh you want something to eat tony you know i could act like i was socializing and being with them you know i was sitting around eating with them too and so after a while, my, my my mom took me to the doctors. I think I was about six, and the doctor said, oh, Tony's gaining weight. And my mother's like, "Okay, can it be? I'll feed her a healthy dinner. I know everything she eats. And so then my mom said to my siblings, the doctor said, Tony's gaining a lot of weight. And they're like, oh, well, she eats. She says, I feed her a healthy dinner. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, oh, well, she, she eats with us when we are up at night. You know, come in late at night and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, my mother said, okay, I see what's going on. She said, well, don't feed her when you come in, you know. And so after that, it began, I remember, like, the beginning of me sneaking to eat. So it was like, they would say, oh, no, mommy you'd be mad with us if so we feed you, you know. And, I'm, and I remember being mad and having an attitude. And so then I was like, okay, well, let me find other ways to eat. And so I would come home from school. So a few years passed, and I was still sneaking, you know, finding ways to sneak and eat. Basically, beginning of being what I call a sneaky eater. But you know, so when I was about eight, I was like a latchkey kid, and I would come home, and I remember making sandwiches and things like that, um, and uh, with all different things on them, and and you know, and just eating the food and cleaning up and. And then having it all cleaned up and just sitting around like I was twiddling my thumbs, you know, just doing my homework. My mom would say, Oh, she's, she's such a good girl. Look, all her homework is done. Well, that was, I really was a good girl because I crammed getting my homework done <laughs> and eating <laughs> into about an hour and a half <laughs> before she came home. So I was really a good girl. I was praised for being so smart and the perfect little girl. But yet I was eating and and study at the same time. I was trying to, like, I don't know every word. So I was reading a word and stuffing the food in my mouth. So that went on and on, continued to gain weight. My my parents just kind of gave up. They were like, we don't know what the heck she's doing, but she's eating and she's continuing to gain, you know. And so I, I would just find what they would leave the room. I would go in there and stuff something in. But anyway, so I had these friends. Uh, these two, these two friends, and there were other little girls, and they were overweight too. And I remember my parents and my and my siblings even not approving of it. And I remember thinking to myself, they were like, "Well, if you hang with them, you're just going to eat with them." And I thought, wow. And I look back at now as adult. Wait a minute, you would prefer me to hang with with um thin children who teased me and ridiculed me all the time, and two fat little girls who accepted the way I was. Well, to me, I chose a fat little girl, Um, although my parents didn't like it. And so then when one of our friends was about a year older, and she was going off to high school before the other friend and I, and so she went to a doctor that was in our neighborhood, and I lived in a, a nice, a nice neighborhood, pretty you know, residential neighborhood. And um, and so there was a doctor. It was like where I lived, a lot of the houses had a doctor that lived on the corner. So every couple corners, uh, uh, corners was a house, and the doctor lived on the corner. And so this particular doctor, he he had a. Uh, this little racket, I call it a racket now, but of course didn't call it that then, because this is in the middle 70s, 1970s. And so you could go to him, and he'd give you a little packet of pills, and he'd weigh you and give you a little diet sheet and send you on your way. And so my friend went, and she lost all this weight. And we were like, what did you do? I went to the doctor, you know, on that corner. And, uh, and he was a reputable doctor, so I don't know if you think he was a shyster or something like that. He was a reputable doctor. This is just one thing he, he did. But back in the middle 70s, they sold diet pills at any store you'd want to get them from, you know. I forget the ones that were very, very popular in this. And so, but at least he had you calm. He gave you a physical. He weighed you every week and, and things like that. So I begged my parents to let me go. And my, my other friend, who was a year younger than the one friend, her mom begged her, too, and all three, the first one one went, and then the two of us, the other, two be and the other girl went, and we lost weight. We all lost weight, and we went off to high school, and I remember my mother telling me, if you lose weight before high school, you're going to have friends, and you'll have a boyfriend, and I remember I wanted that. I looked at little boys. I was 13, whatever. None of them ever looked at me. And I remember by the end of eighth grade, I lost weight through eighth grade. And at the end of eighth grade, I remember that um, there was a party that some of the kids were talking about. And no one invited me. Well, on the last day of school, I wore a uniform because I went to Catholic school. So the uniform over time as I lost weight was, was still kind of hanging on me, but it couldn't tell exactly how much weight I had lost. So last day of school, like, we could come in our regular clothes, and I remember coming in my regular clothes, and I had something on it was kind of form-fitting, some slacks and a, and, a, and a top and everything, and I remember all the kids were looking at me, and particularly the little boys, they were saying, oh, my goodness, look at Tony. And then somebody came up to me and said, we have a party, you want to come? And I remember thinking, you? I didn't say anything. I didn't say, oh. I said, "No, oh, okay, I accepted the invitation, but I didn't go." I remember thinking I was invisible, to you, before I lost the weight, and that was the first time I remember feeling like, um, I guess I'm I'm trying to even find the right words for it. I was just invisible. I was invisible while I was overweight. You didn't care anything about me. You didn't care. You didn't want to get to know me. You didn't care anything about uh, was I a nice person or anything. I was just invisible to you. And now, once I once I lost the weight, I, then I became someone that you cared to want to get to know. And I didn't bother to go to the party. So I'm gonna fast forward Went to high school. Like my mom said, I had friends and I people liked me. I had a boyfriend, um, whether it was good or bad or whatever. Went off to college, same thing. I kept my weight down. I struggled. I went to Weight Watchers a few times and jazzed size and all different kinds of things and gained a few pounds here and there, but for the most part, I kept it off. And so I um, got engaged, um, ended up breaking the engagement. The guy was a horrible, big liar in any way. So broke off the engagement, came home, and I think I was licking my wounds because I really thought time was I should be married by now only 21, but I should be married by now. My goodness. You know, this is the early 80s. And so once I got home, back at home out of college, it wasn't a, you know, big demand to keep the weight off. You know, my mom was a very good cook and I was just home and settling into being at home and I just started, the weight just started rolling back on after, you know, being thinking like, oh, the weight, that's passing me. Because my older sister had been overweight and then she lost weight as an adolescent like I did. And she never gained it back her whole life. She's like 77 years old. She never gained it back. A little bit, but not much. Just a little. I just, it seemed like each year got the pounds just rolled on and rolled on. And it seemed like before I realized it i was i was about two hundred fifty pounds, and um time continued and passed, and you know i um <clears throat> ended up you know meeting my who was the guy who ended up becoming my husband but um and um i got i got pregnant, lost the first baby, but then i got had a her daughter got married and I, but I had gestational diabetes. And so in a lot of it is because of the weight. And so I tried very hard when I was pregnant, and I did very good. I even lost weight while I was pregnant because I was concerned about the baby. But I thought, wow, this is going to be it. I I, I lost this weight. Let me just keep going. I'll keep going. But I didn't have any incentive. And after that, gained weight right back and even more. And that the type two type two diabetes came came back not just gestational but it came back, and I developed vascular disease and where I had like dark marks on my calves, my legs were heavy, walking upstairs became very difficult. I was taking diabetes medication, high blood pressure medication. It seemed like as long as the doctor could give me a pill to fix whatever was going on, I was happy. It didn't matter. I was taking two high blood pressure medications, two diabetes pills, and I just it acted like I didn't care. so oh just keep me more. You, you, find it, you got another pill that will fix that? Okay, just give it to me. And so finally after I lost two dear friends due to vascular disease, and it was amputations, and I started looking down at my calves, and they were getting darker and darker and more fluid filled. I, I think, a DM, I'm not a nurse, but I think I remember that was the term they mentioned. I became very afraid. I had this little child because I didn't have my daughter until I was um, 37, and I had this little child. And I thought, if I don't do something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this child. And my friend, my friend, one of the, the ones that, that passed away, she left her daughter. And um, I said, I can't do this. I didn't see any other way out, and I decided to have weight loss surgery. I don't regret having the surgery at all because it got the weight off and saved my life. So I thought, I'm fixed now. I'm fixed. I got the weight off. I'm no longer overweight. I'm fixed. Well, after having weight loss surgery about two years afterwards, for the first two years, I seemed to – having what you call normal thoughts like I ate you know I ate a normal portion things seem to be okay and I do big book study and in big book study they talk about um there's like one uh, uh there's one particular alcoholic who who decided to give up alcohol and he did he focused on his work he lived his life and, and he didn't drink for years and years, but then he retired. He went right back to it, and he died after. He died, became an alcoholic again, and died after a few years. And so, and so, I didn't know big book study then at the time, but when I look think look back on it, that's what I see. I did so well, almost like when I was in at Del like when I was in high school and college. I did so well for like eight years. And then it just just came right back. And so I was doing so well for about two and a half years. And then all of a sudden, all the thoughts about food came back. And I remember sitting on the phone with the nutritionist, and I was saying to her, I'm struggling with the food. And she says, well, I'll help you with a meal plan. We'll do this and we'll do that. And I'm like, I can write a book on, on, on a meal plan. I can write a book on everything about what you should or should not eat. But I can't stick to it. And I thought to myself, what the heck is she going to tell me that's going to help me to stick with something that I already know and that I cannot, I cannot seem to be able to do. And I knew some people who were in OA. And after I felt I was at rock bottom, I had cried on the phone with the nutritionist, and she just listened to me because it was a telecall. call of 2021. And it was a tele call, and um, she just listened to me while I cried and said, it'll be okay, we'll talk. Will you calm down and we'll talk? I'll, I'll write up something and send it to you. It'll be okay. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I was crying. And I just thought, I know some people are in OA, and they seem to be happy. I don't know what the heck they're doing, but they seem to be happy and they seem to be at peace, and I want that too. And so I I called a couple of them up, and I asked them, and, and they said, just get on the phone and call. You know, they're different OA groups. You have to find out what's the best fit for you, but just get on the phone and call. Get on a couple of meetings and see what works for you. Got on a couple of meetings, and I ended up talking to somebody, and she agreed to be my sponsor, and she said she did big book study. And I said, I don't care what you do. I want what you have. And that's I started yeah, January I of twenty. Thank you, January of twenty twenty one, and that's when I got started. And oh my goodness, I I got to learn so much about myself. The things that I learned about myself was that I thought that I was such a sweet, sweet person because I'm soft spoken. I have a soft sounding voice, and I'm pl- I'm a pl- I'm pleasant. I'm you know I smile and I'm happy you know, and so people pretty much view me as a very nice, pleasant person. I also sing. I'm very active. I'm always wanting to be helpful. People view me as pretty nice. Well, because of that, if I didn't get my way, I had the tendency, and I didn't realize this about myself, I had a tendency to then try to flip. They say flip the script, flip the script, and I would talk about people. If I didn't get my way, I'd say, do you know what they did? Do you know what so-and-so did to me? Or I brought up this idea about something and they just, just, you know, put it down. Not say maybe it wasn't a good idea or maybe I didn't listen to what they had to say or something like that. But I just had a way of kind of like controlling things in a very sneaky way, like a little instigator. And I didn't realize I was doing that. And other things, I... I would pray and pray and I would say, oh, God, God, help me with this, whatever. But I didn't realize I was never trusting in God. So when I came in the program, I learned to define higher power for myself. We all have to define what that is for us, whether we're religious or not religious. But I learned to define what higher power was for myself and how to believe that I could be restored to sanity and believed that if I followed the precise instructions and worked my program that I could have recovery. And once I started to believe that, that's when I had the recovery that's promised. Not to say that things are perfect. No, they're not perfect. Things happen all the time. Someone just tried to steal my car the other day. And, of course, I just wanted to just give in to the food, but I realized would that help me? No. And so I got on a meeting, and I started making outreach calls, so I know nothing is perfect. Every day is not going to be sunny and roses, but I've got a program now. I feel like i got a little toolkit or a tool belt that I wear on me. And when something happens or whatever, I know I've got my people in fellowship to support me. I know I've got programs to get on. I know I have opportunities to be a speaker. And I know that I can do that instead of deciding to and choose food as a solution to soothe myself when I'm irritable and discontented, I don't have to get back into the food. And so with that, I I have that recovery that's promised me. And so I can have joy, joy in my life and not hopelessness. And so I am just so, so, so grateful for the opportunity to share and grateful that I found a recovery that's promised me that I don't have to keep going back And in that cycle that I was living all those years. I don't have to I was I was overweight and suffering for over thirty years. I'm sixty two years old. For over thirty years I was overweight and suffering. And I don't have to live like that any longer. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful, beautiful. I was way over way, way, way like a hundred and fifty pounds overweight, you know. So I, I, I don't have to live that way any longer and I'm just I'm just so, so grateful. And once I came in a program, I lost the weight that I had gained back, um, and um, and it's just beautiful. And I guess with that, my time is up. Um, my name is Tony S. Again, I'm a great a recovered and available sponsor. Also, I do big book studies, and um, my I live in Eastern Standard Time. And my number is 215-239-8660. At least this being the time, you can call or text anytime. I'd love to help. And thank you, thank you for letting me share.